Hey there, it's Jamie Scrimger here, and you're listening to the Kick-Ass Stepmom Podcast. I'm a wife, a mom, a stepmom, a coach, a conversation opener, and a BS caller. Eight years ago, I found myself sitting on the bathroom floor, bawling my eyes out, wondering what the heck I was thinking, marrying a man with three kids and an ex-wife. Look, don't get me wrong. I was madly in love. The kids were great. But being a stepmom is, well, it's just complicated. If you know, you know. As a 26-year-old with zero experience in the parenting department, I went to the internet for support. But I was disappointed with what I found. So I decided to create the type of support I was looking for. Raw, real, solution-focused conversations about all things motherhood, stepmotherhood, and living a kick-ass life. Life can be hard, really freaking hard. But it's entirely possible to thrive amongst the tough stuff. Each week, I will bring you tips and strategies and mindset shifts to inspire you to live your own version of a kick-ass life. We'll bring you along as I create my own. Let's do this. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the podcast, guys. So today's guest is Caitlin Nyer. She, well, this is actually her second time on the podcast. And if you missed her first episode, which I'm going to link in the show notes, I highly recommend going back and listening to that one first. So Caitlin is a YouTuber who creates videos for women, mothers, homemakers, just super inspiring lifestyle stuff. She has a five-year-old daughter named Scarlett and is married to her husband, Ty. Now their story is a little different and I love their story so, so much. So she and her husband divorced in 2019, spent a year apart, and then somehow found their way back together. Sidebar, that's what our last episode is all about. So they moved back in together and are now nurturing their new relationship and trying to conceive baby number two through IVF. They've also gone into business together and life has just evolved. In this episode, we talk about their journey back together, what's different now, and we dive into what secondary infertility has been like for them. Now, if you've been following along for a while, you know that I have actually struggled with secondary infertility as well. Uh, despite going through IUI and doing just different fertility treatments, we were unable to have another baby after Reese. So this is something that really resonates with me. And I'm just so grateful that Caitlin is opening up and having these conversations because as much as we are talking more and more about miscarriage and infertility, I still think there are so many women out there who feel like they are alone. Caitlin is a light online and her positive attitude and mindset and willingness to be open about her struggles is helping so many women. I can't wait to share this episode with you. So let's get to it. Caitlin, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Jamie. I'm super excited to be here. Yeah, I'm really excited for this conversation today because I think it's such an important one to have. So you've been on the podcast before. Everyone kind of knows who you are. So we can just kind of dive right in. The last time we talked, you've had a lot of changes since then. So the last time we talked, you were dating your ex-husband. So can you give us a little bit of an update on where you guys are at now? A lot of changes. Oh my gosh. It, it's been a lot. A lot has happened. And let's see, where, where should I even begin? So we were dating and eventually, I, I don't remember if I had if we had bought a house at that time or not, but we ended up moving back in together because we were kind of getting to that point where we had to start making some decisions for ourselves, for our daughter. And we ended up buying a house and moving in together and definitely had our concerns there. We didn't know if we were doing so well because we were living apart. And, you know, that's a whole, whole nother topic, but um, things have been going great. And 
We eventually got remarried in my kitchen. <laughs> we joke around and say it was a more it was a more meaningful wedding than our first wedding because it just had such a deeper meaning. Um, so yeah, we got married and things have been going great. We started trying to have another child, which was really exciting too, and ended up having some infertility struggles. And here we are today. We just completed IVF and our marriage is stronger than ever. And I can't imagine going through that whole experience without him by my side. So it's honestly been amazing seeing where we started and where we are today. And it's crazy to think we were even in that position (laughs) a couple of years ago. Yeah. And well, I have so many questions. First of all, in your kitchen. Yeah. So you got married in your kitchen. I need a visual. Can you please okay. um, unpack that for me? <laughs> so yes, it's a hilarious story. So we decided we wanted to have another child and you know, health insurance is very important. So I had to marry him to get back on his health insurance and we weren't rushing it or anything, but we thought, okay, this makes sense. So yeah, technically health insurance, we also wanted to get remarried too, but it yeah. just made sense for legal terms. We have a very... Um, We take marriage seriously, but it's also just a piece of paper in a way to us. It's a commitment, but we Mm -hmm. we find commitment in other forms, not just an actual marriage document, if that makes sense. We yeah, we just have kind of a different outlook on it. But we called up our friend and she got ordained, uh, met us at our house, married us in our kitchen, and our neighbors were our witnesses, and (laughs) that was that. Happily ever after. Now, did you guys have a party? Because I feel like I saw something online. Like you had these beautiful photos. You know what? We actually had the opportunity to be models for like a a stylized shoot. And it worked out so perfectly. Yeah, it worked out so perfectly because we were able to recreate our wedding pictures. And it was the perfect timing for everything. So it was just like an experience. But yeah, it was actually just a coincidence that that worked out the time of us getting remarried. So yeah, it's a pretty funny story. It doesn't really make sense to a lot of people, but it makes sense to us. And we've learned that's what's important. I think it totally makes sense. I think, you know, when I look back, actually my sister just got engaged. And so I've been looking back on our wedding and all the things that I thought were really important and like the big party and the big show and like all of the stuff when really it was just, you know, about us committing our life together. So much of what we think matters when we're, you know, making this commitment really doesn't. So I, this totally makes sense to me. I feel like I would get ready, do it in my kitchen if I were doing it again too, because it's just a lot less of a big hassle with like a lot of stuff, right? Exactly. When you take out like the the frills and the the fluffy part of the weddings, which is so wonderful. And, you know, we, we had that experience, so we've got to experience that too. But when you take that out and see all of the the hard stuff and appreciate that for what it is, it makes it a lot more meaningful. And I think that's just where we were at. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. What's different now? Because you guys have grown so much. You're older. You obviously have more life experience. You've had the experience of being together, being apart, and then deciding to come back together. Mm -hmm. How is marriage different now than it was back then? I would say the number one thing personally that I've done differently is I've given him his space to be who he is, and he's given me my space to be who I am, and we complement each other in that way because we understand each other more. So the little things don't bother me near as much as they used to, and I I try to just let him go. I, I appreciate him for what he does and who he is at our home, and he does the same for me. And I think when you have that respect, it naturally just works better in a household. 
Like I'm not trying to change him and he's not trying to change me anymore. And we just appreciate each other for who we are. I love that. And I do think so. like, I don't know when I, when Darren and I got married and like those early years, I was just trying to control a bunch of stuff so that everything, you know, turned out the way that I pictured my life. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so my weekends look the way that I wanted them to look and Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. But so I I love what you're saying there. Cause I do think as you get older, you well, you just realize that you can't control anyone else. You just kind of give up on that. But just knowing like you, we are who we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we are. And I, I, the control thing. Yes, I have. I have. I'm very type A and I like things done a certain way. And I do have a controlling sense. And I've tried to he's very laid back. So I've tried to be a little bit more laid back. He's tried to be a little bit more of a planner. And we really have just compromised in those ways. The type of yeah. person who wants to know like what's going on every single day from morning to evening. What's our plan? What's our schedule? And he's like, we'll figure it out on the, you know, well, yeah. we'll figure it out along the way. And I've kind of had to to give into that. And it's actually surprisingly been, it's been really nice. So surprisingly mm-hmm. nice. Yeah. That's actually a really good marriage tip, right? Is to look at the things that maybe bother you about your partner mm-hmm. and ask yourself what you can learn from them, right? Like yeah. how you can kind of like, where's the lesson there? Because that's definitely the same with Darren and I. Yep. Anyway, so you decided to have a baby, obviously, and then you decided before you got married in the kitchen. Can you tell me a little bit about what that journey has been like? Because I've also struggled with secondary infertility, and it is like, talk about a mindfuck, actually. Seriously. Yeah. It, it is an, a roller coaster up and down. And I feel like in our situation, it's been even more of a mind fuck because we've gone, it was a big issue in our first marriage. We had always said we wanted two children. And we had our daughter and then we weren't in a good place too. But, you know, Ty was like, I think I'm done after one. I don't think I want to have any more children. And I'm like, hold on. Like, that is not what we agreed to. Like we always said we wanted two. I can't imagine not providing a sibling for our daughter. I grew up with a lot of siblings and so it was important to me. And so that was a huge part in our separation. Not, you know, there's a lot of little things, but that was a a big thing for me that um, I felt we weren't going to work together. Um, I didn't want to force him to have a child and, you know, he should, if he didn't want that, you know, to have another child, he should be able to make that decision. So that was hard in itself. But after some realization and figuring things out personally and self-reflection, he decided, you know, this is what he wants and he was not in the best place. And I'm trying not to speak for him, but it's all just kind of, you know, the reality of it. But we got back together. He's decided this is what I want. I was in a bad place. All all, all of that. But anyways, we decided to start having, we decided to make the decision to start having another child. And we thought it'd be easy because we got pregnant so easily with Scarlett. Uh, We'd actually been pregnant before her. Um, We miscarried that pregnancy, but we got pregnant super easily. So we were like, this is not going to be an issue. The second we start trying to get pregnant, we'll have a baby and, you know, then we'll be done. And those months turned into a year, which turned into, it's now been, I don't know, a little over a year and a half of us trying to conceive, which I mean, in reality, a lot of women go through it for years, but I was being the type A person that I am, I was very, very proactive about our infertility. And, you know, at the six month mark, I started seeing doctors and uh, eventually learned that I was diagnosed with diminished ovarian reserve, which basically means my ovaries function like a 45 year old. I'm 29. I just didn't have a lot of eggs left. So 
the fact that I was being proactive was actually the best thing I could have done because had we had waited another year to start seeing doctors, it potentially could have been too late. That all led us to, uh, well, we, we tried fertility medication. We tried a bunch of other things. We did a, a round of IUI and eventually learned we our only success would be with IVF. So we started that process in September of 2021, and we just did our uh, embryo transfer yesterday, actually. So we are, um, it's been a long, a long road, but um, we're in the waiting game now. And hopefully, hopefully this is the end to our infertility. So yeah. we will see in mm. nine days. <laughs> Sending positive vibes for sure. I love that you're documenting this too, because I think it's becoming more normalized, but it's still not talked about as much as it should be. I do think right. that so many women are struggling and you almost feel like there's something wrong with you or you feel shame around it or mm-hmm. embarrassment or resentment. Cause you're like, why me? Why is this only happening to me? Cause you feel like everyone else around you is getting pregnant, especially with the secondary infertility. It's like, well, why I don't understand why I could get pregnant so quickly the first time. And then now what happened? Right. It just right. mentally, it is such a, it's just, yeah. Like I said, it's just a mind fuck. It is. Yeah, it is. And I'm sorry you've experienced secondary infertility too. It definitely messes with you when you yeah. know you can carry a pregnancy and know you can get pregnant. And now yes. you're like, what's going on? <laughs> so how we did it, we were trying. And when I had Reese, I had three stepkids too. So I went from like zero to four kids in a very short period of time. So it was really overwhelming at first. And so we have a 13-year age difference. So Darren was 40 when Reese was born and I was 20, yeah, 27. So I was like, I just don't think we can yet. I just feel like we need to give it time. And so we were waiting. And then when Reese was about three, we decided to start trying again. And there was like Mm -hmm. so much regret on my part there, but I just didn't feel like I had the bandwidth to like add another child to, you know, there was no just sitting around with the baby. We were going to like hockey. We were going to like all over to these things. We were just like bringing the kid with us because there was no like just quiet time, right? It was just so busy. So we ended up doing, I think we did five rounds of IUI and we were about to go into IVF Mm -hmm. and I think it was like going to start the next week. And there was something in my body that was like, I think I'm done, right? Like I I don't think I'm going to do it. And, um, it was just really interesting. Like I had kind of made peace with it. So we just decided not to. And uh, because at that point, Darren's like 47, 46, yeah. 47. And I'm kind of like, you know, <laughs> how long can we keep trying this? Like at some point we'll want to retire. Like he would have had kids from, you know, zero to 20, <laughs> 19 yeah. years old with all of the kids. So we ended up just kind of accepting that it wasn't in the cards for us. But it really is this period where you almost have to grieve, right? Like grieve that your experience with childbirth is not going to be the same as you thought it was going to be. Yes, absolutely. I feel like there's a part of me that's already grieved because in our first marriage, I tried to accept the fact that, you know, maybe Scarlett is the only child for us and maybe we don't need to have a second and, you know, maybe I can change my thought process. But, um, you know, at that time, then again, I thought, no, it wasn't the right decision for me at that moment. And I'm glad it wasn't because I, I feel like I would have had regrets. But now as we're going through infertility and we have two healthy embryos, so we have two chances 
to conceive. If, you know, something doesn't work this round, we'll have a second one to try. And if that doesn't work, I'm kind of where you are at. I'm kind of at the point where I'm like, I've accepted the piece that if this doesn't work, I don't want to put my body and my mental health and, you know, financially, it's it's a huge burden as well. I I don't want to go through that again. Um, Mm -hmm. So I've kind of accepted that if this doesn't work, then also this is the the end of our journey, which if you would have told, if I would have said this six months ago, I don't think I could have said that actually. I think it's taken a long time for me to become at peace with whatever happens, happens. I want to tell you about Stepmom Magazine. When I first became a stepmom, I always struggled to resonate with the support out there. There was just this huge double standard. Moms were encouraged to keep it real and stepmoms were judged for doing the same. And amongst the overwhelming amount of resources for moms, there really wasn't much for stepmoms. That resonated with me at least. Except for Stepmom Magazine, that is. In fact, almost 10 years in, Stepmom Magazine is the only resource that I revisit time and time again. So Stepmom Magazine is a monthly online publication for any woman who's dating, living with, or married to someone with kids. The articles are written by all the leading stepfamily therapists and coaches, and the support is second to none. Stepmom Magazine has tons of information on topics like co-parenting and dealing with stepkids and dealing with the ex and disengaging and raising teenagers and being a full-time stepmom and having an ours baby. They cover it all. If you're a stepmom listening to this podcast, you need to check them out. And you can use the code JAMIE20 and you'll save 20% off anything and everything in their online store. So that's all subscriptions, back issues, and stepmom ebooks. This magazine is the longest standing, highly regarded stepmom resource for a reason. Go to stepmommagazine.com and use the code JAMIE20 and save 20%. I am so pumped about my newest partnership with Newcom. I have been actively trying to minimize stress and calm my mind and carve out time in my day for stillness and meditation, which as we know, is easier said than done in this busy, stressful world that we're currently living in. So Newcom is patented neuroscience technology, clinically proven to lower stress and improve sleep quality. It gives you the power and control to slow down and recharge when you need to by guiding you to your natural recovery state. Within minutes, Newcom guides your brain waves to frequencies for deep recovery and restoration. Amen. So here's how it works. You apply the Newcom Biosignal Processing Disc to your inner left wrist. Then you connect headphones to your mobile device and select your Newcom journey in the mobile app. Cover your eyes with the Newcom light blocking eye mask, get comfortable and zen out. It is so freaking good. Newcom is the world's first and only patented technology clinically proven to lower stress and improve sleep quality without drugs. For more than 20 years, the company has been helping people like elite military operators, to cancer patients, to pilots, to professional athletes, to veterans, to regain control of their lives by helping them manage stress. It used to be a $6,000 class three medical device. Now it's easier to use and much more affordable through a subscription. So for as little as $167 per day, you can take control of stress, poor sleep, and own the day. Newcom has become one of my favorite rituals and is my new favorite form of self-care. I cannot tell you how good this feels. So you can learn more and get all the details at www.newcom.com and use the code JAMIE10OFF for 10% off. That's www.newcom.com and use the code 
JAMIE10 for 10% off. What has your mental health been like throughout this process? Like what, what have you done to take care of yourself? It's been a lot. It's a lot of ups and downs. Um, I think for me personally, it's been so frustrating and for Ty as well. It's been so frustrating because it took so long for us to get to this point of even wanting to have a second child or, you know, trying to have a second child and we can't. And so it's like, we've, we've gone through so many hoops and I've, you know, I've fought for this child for so long and, um, you know, for this pregnancy and we're finally at a place where it makes sense to bring a baby into our home. We're in a good place for marriage. We have, you know, stable environment and it it's frustrating when that can't happen when you're finally ready. And so that part right there has been very emotional for me because, you know, I mean, nobody expects to go through infertility, but um, secondary infertility is just a whole different avenue. <laughs> I would say leading up to our egg retrieval, that was our, like personally, our hardest obstacle to get over. That was where I was struggling the most. There was Definitely a lot of anxiety surrounding that. I remember sitting in the Target parking lot, not even be able being able to get myself out of the car and go walk inside Target to get groceries. And I think it was just because I I think I was experiencing a lot more anxiety and a lot more depression than I realized. And I couldn't do normal things that I typically do. And I remember calling Ty and saying, I cannot get myself to go into Target. And I don't know why Target was so triggering, um, but it was to me. And I I'm not quite sure, but um, I had experienced feelings that I'd never really felt. And so uh, it definitely, infertility definitely brings out every demon and every, every different feeling possible that you didn't necessarily know you have. And so, um, yeah, lots of ups and downs, a huge roller coaster of emotions. And the only way I've been able to get through this is Ty. He's been my rock and I'm not going to get emotional. <laughs> Sorry, all of all of the all of the hormones I'm on make me extra emotional. But um, I I can't imagine going through this with anybody else. And so it's it's crazy how life takes a turn and puts people back in your life for when you need them. And so he's been an incredible incredible support. He's given me almost every injection, and he's been amazing. So, and what have those injections been like? Like, cause that. Like, because you're injecting the yeah. hormones, and at one point you're almost like as if you're pregnant before the egg retrieval, right? Like you're just bloated and full. Is that true? Or yeah, yeah, it is. So I think for the egg retrieval, we were on a total. We had a total of 54 injections in a two week period. Oh. Yeah, so it was a lot. Um, with me having diminished ovarian reserve, my we were only able to. Um, retrieve five eggs, which is not a lot at all. A lot of women get 15 to 20 eggs. So I was bloated, but not as bloated as I think I could have been. Yeah. The the injections are intense right now. We are just on a progesterone injection and it's a inch and a half. I mean, I don't know if you've done it through your infertility, but it's an inch and a half needle that yeah. goes in your butt muscle every day for 12 weeks. If the pregnancy takes it's a lot on a woman's body, right? Like, man, like women are yeah. amazing. <laughs> like really? Oh my gosh. I feel like a whole, there's a whole different woman side of me that I never saw. Like I feel stronger than ever because of going through something like this. Mm-hmm. Now, what would your advice be to someone who is struggling to get pregnant right now? And they're kind of on the fence about whether or not to go and 
you know, talk to a specialist and, and see what's going on. Do you have any advice for them? If they're ready, if it's truly what they want, go sooner rather than later. Um, in mm-hmm. my case, if I would have waited, it might have been too late for me. And it never hurts to get the help of a doctor. Never hurts to go see somebody. And if somebody says, if a doctor says, oh, you don't see me until it's been a year, because I know there's a lot of um, you know, doctors who say, wait a year, try conceiving for a year, and then come see me. Um, I found an OB who saw me at six months and started helping me through our infertility, doing tests. And um, we ended up trying like Clomid and Letrozole with her. And so she was able to kind of start the process and ruling things out. And um, it was all just being proactive. So if you feel like something's wrong or you feel like something's off with your body, it probably is. Women have an amazing instinct. And if you feel like something's off, there's probably something. And so find a doctor who's going to take you seriously and help you through that. Yeah, for sure. I found that too. You know, you really do need to be your own advocate. Like you need to push. And if you feel like your doctor is saying, no, you know, it's totally fine. Cause my first, the first time I went to the doctor, actually the first two times, that's what the response was. And I finally had to say, no, Mm -hmm. this is what's happening. And actually I've had to do that in other areas of my life too, when, you know, just dealing with like anxiety and that kind of stuff. So you really do have to push for what you want and be the expert on, on yourself, because if you don't, no one's going to, no one's going to care as much as you do and is going to know your body the way that you do. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Now, in terms of your self-care piece throughout this process, what did you do to you know, support yourself through these ebbs and flows, you know, after you're sitting in the target parking lot and you're, you're feeling super overwhelmed, like how have you supported yourself during this? Did you have to implement any new routines or what's that been like? Yeah, I think I naturally have a way of getting myself out of funks and I don't know if I can actually put words to it, but I I just know what I have to do to make myself feel better and I just do it. And I think for me, I mean, if you want to talk like actual things I was doing, uh, like physical activity was definitely something that kept me sane and helped me work through some of those emotions. But I, I think ultimately experiencing something in the moment and then realizing, okay, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. That is ultimately what gets me out of those funks. So I think I have a lot of anxiety leading up to these big things. Cause like that target situation happened right before our egg retrieval. So I had a lot of anxiety leading up to our egg retrieval. And then I go through our egg retrieval and I realize, okay, things worked out exactly how they should. And all of this anxiety wasn't necessary because it, everything worked out exactly how it should be. And so I think my anxiety stems from leading up to these big events. But yeah, physical activity, I mean, just spending time with my family, trying to do self-care whenever I can. Like I, you know, everybody loves a good pedicure. So try to treat myself to those occasionally. And um, I think something that really helps me too is vlogging and, you know, my YouTube channel and actually sitting down and talking, sounds crazy, but talking to my camera and talking these feelings out and talking these emotions out and actually um, like working through them in the moment and connecting with others online and other women online and having conversations about, you know, what we're going through. And honestly, my audience has helped me a lot. I'm very grateful to have a huge support system. So whenever I do feel like that, something is going to pull me out of it, whether it's my YouTube audience or, you know, my husband or myself through physical exercise, you know, something. So 
I'm grateful those anxiety spells don't happen too long, last too long, but they're there and they're real. Yeah. But it sounds like, you know, you really are like this, these are the type of people I'm going to surround myself with. Right. And I think there's power in that because, you know, whether it be an online community, whether it be your partner, your family, you really do during these tough times have to surround yourself with people who are positive and supportive and weed out anyone who's not Mm -hmm. because you can't even have that negative energy in there, Mm -hmm. especially during this extra stress. Yeah. So on top of the YouTube channel, you guys are you have a podcast now. So we can you do. share a little bit about this? Yes, we have four episodes out and um, we we are called the Modern Mom and Dad Podcast, first of all. That is our, our name. And we seriously just decided one day, well, okay, hold on. Let me backtrack. We had been talking about doing a podcast. You were like, we don't have enough going on in our life. We're going to add a podcast. I don't know what we we're thinking, but we've, it's been the most amazing thing. So um, for the past year, we've been talking about, you know, wanting to do some kind of podcast. Ty loves listening to podcasts. I do too, but he's way more of a podcast listener than I am. And he had been wanting for us to start some kind of podcast. And I'm like, okay, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. And it was one of those things that was always put on the back burner. We never actually did it. And then January came and he was like, when are we starting our podcast? And I said, tomorrow, let's do it tomorrow. I'll clear my schedule. Let's, let's figure it out. So we sat down. I already had equipment and everything and we didn't even know what we were doing, but we just sat down and filmed our episode and didn't know how to post it to Apple Podcasts. Didn't know how to do any of those things, but we were like, we'll figure it out along the way. And um, we did. And it's been such an amazing Every week sitting down with him, having these conversations about just like a rundown of our week and hot topics and things that we don't necessarily go into detail over on my YouTube channel. Just having these conversations with him is such a wonderful thing every week and a great time for us to catch up. And it's honestly been such a blessing and we're having fun with it. And our audience seems to love it. And it's been it's been a lot of fun. That's awesome. So it's it's not are you filming it or are you like, are you filming it and recording it? Like, are you doing both or what? How, how can people tune in? That's our plan. So um, right now we are just <laughs> audio. <laughs> right now we're just audio. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, any major platform um, for podcasts. And then we have a YouTube channel too, which is uh, the Modern Mom and Dad Podcast, where we're just uploading audio right now. But eventually we're going to transition to uh, video. We just, we want to get the right equipment and the right setup and you know, that'll happen eventually. You just got to start. So that's kind of where we're at. We just need to start. Totally. I always say with this podcast, when we, when I first started, I was like, oh my gosh, what am I going to be able to talk about for however many, like this, I think this episode that we're doing, this is almost 140 episodes that we've done. Wow. And I had no idea that I would have this much to say. Yeah. And it was literally just, okay, I'm going to start a podcast. And it's Googling like how to start a podcast or what do you need to start a podcast? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, for, that's exactly it. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where you just have to start and dive in and you'll figure it out along the way. And mm-hmm. I kind of already knew that with YouTube, starting a YouTube channel. So I'm like, yeah. oh, we can figure it out. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Yeah. And just know at the very beginning, right? It's like the quality isn't the same as someone who's been doing it for like, you know, I, I look at these episodes with people who have like 400 episodes and like 30 million downloads. I'm like, oh, they just make you feel like crap. But you're like, no, everyone starts, everyone kind of starts on their closet floor actually for yeah. the most part with podcasts. Yeah. Like it's always in like, everyone's like sitting on the floor. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> amazing. Like I love symbolic. that. But that's where all success stories start. You got to start from, you know, you got to start somewhere. Yeah. Awesome. So what else do you guys have going on? I know you guys got lots going on um, on the podcast and the YouTube front. Yeah. And you just started a uh, 
another company. Yeah. You have all the time. Yeah. We have so much time on our hands. We're like, why not? Let's throw something else out there. <laughs> so yeah, another thing. Well, I don't think I've actually mentioned this to you, but uh, when we got back together, got married, moved back into our house. Well, we started, you know, talking priorities and to us having Thai home more was something that we really wanted. We've realized a lot of his stress and his anxiety was coming from his job and being in a place where he didn't necessarily love what he was doing. And we were at a, you know, financially at a place where we could let him leave his nine to five job. And so he did, and he's home now, which is amazing. But the whole plan was for us to finally venture out and start our own business. And something that I had always wanted to do was create a very clean um, hair and body care product that was very effective for my daughter. I've always struggled with her skin. She's got a lot of eczema. She's got a lot of dry skin, very sensitive skin. And she also has different textured hair. And so I wanted to create something that was going to work for her, but was also clean, left out all of the icky ingredients. And we ended up creating Lollico. So Lollico is a non-toxic I mean, anything you can think of, it's probably not within the product. We're gluten-free, dairy-free, vegan, cruelty-free. We leave out, you know, phthalates and sulfates. All of the yucky things are out of our products. But um, we ended up creating this company to help other parents get clean products for their children. Ty runs like the business side of that. And I'm kind of more of like the creative side of that. And that has been our little baby project. And we have four products out right now, and we actually have our fifth bean poured today, which is really exciting. So what's the fifth product? Um, I guess I'll just leak it here. <laughs> uh, you can leak it I'll here. I'll leak it here. I haven't actually announced it yet, but it's going to be a lotion. <gasps> so it's a lavender lotion. Oh, nice. Yeah. We're really excited. That's so good. That is so good. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. We're very excited. And it's shoplollyco.com if you are interested in checking out our products. Yeah, we will link all of that for you. We'll appreciate you taking the time. You've, you know, it's just been such a pleasure watching you share this journey and the struggles and the ups and downs and just the, the real side of of marriage and just your personal evolution online and just in such a positive light. So you're very appreciated. You are changing conversations and you you really are such a light online. Thank you, Jamie. I'm happy to be back here too. It's been good talking to you. That's it for this one. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you haven't already, and if the podcast has been resonating with you, I would be forever grateful if you would head on over to iTunes and give the show a rating and a review. And if you know someone who would benefit from listening to this episode, be sure to send it their way. Now, if you are craving more, head to my website, jamiescrimger.com. There are lots of blog posts and podcast episodes and resources available for you over there. And if you really want to dive in, I do take on a limited number of coaching clients every month. So you can book one call or work with me for three months. Either way, we will create an individualized plan for your unique stepfamily situation. Remember, sitting around biatching about how hard being a stepmom is won't make being a stepmom any easier. If you want change in your life, it has to start with you. Chat with you next week.